All right, so we're talking this morning uh, about this thing called resurrection. I've entitled the message, Practice Resurrection, Seven Dirty Little Secrets About Rising from the Dead. We'll explain that in just a moment. But I want to start by reading a quote from a man that I think is a pretty interesting guy. He's a believer, uh, he's a radical believer, and he's an amazing writer, and he's also a farmer. So that combination uh, is rather interesting, and this quote is even more interesting. It's a quote from an actual manifesto that he wrote. It was called the manifesto, The Mad Farmer Liberation Front. I, I don't know what that is, but I'd sure like to be a part of it. And, uh, and he wrote this. He said, as soon as the generals and the politicos can predict the motions of your mind, lose it. <laughs> Leave it as a sign to mark the false trail the way you didn't go. Be like the fox who, leaves, uh, who makes more tracks than necessary, some in the wrong direction. And then he concludes by saying, practice resurrection. Now, I don't have a clue what that means. <laughs> and I've asked Dr. Green when he comes to explain it. <laughs> but I, I, I want to just, I want to kind of take a shot at it just kind of reading through that and thinking through, I think he's speaking to, well, I know he's speaking to farmers because he's a farmer, but he's speaking to working class people, everyday folks that get up and work hard to conspire as believers to bring resurrection into a death-dealing culture. The mad farmer warns that mass marketing, profits, middle classes, insatiable need for consumption will lead us to almost a mindlessness and carelessness that allows us to be manipulated and controlled by this world. The mad farmer thus advises us when we feel suffocated by the overwhelming powers of death and decay in this world to practice resurrection. That is to kind of fool them all and bring something to life that the world wasn't expecting and never imagined. So that's my take. I think there's a a spirit that God brings into us as as believers that can produce something that we never imagined, that we never expected, that there's a power that we have access to in the Holy Spirit as a result of the day of Pentecost, as a result of the death and resurrection of Christ, that sometimes uh, we don't see the full significance, at least I haven't. And I think over the last uh, two years for me has been a journey of learning to do this thing called practice resurrection. Eugene Peterson, who who translated uh, the the scripture into what we now know as the Message Bible, into kind of a real, real modern English. He was uh, a pastor for years and uh, and obviously an an amazing uh, writer, but he, he, he penned a book called Practice Resurrection. He talked about helping to allow the Holy Spirit to form in us uh, the power and the life, the vitality of Jesus Christ. And I remember uh, two years ago, uh, uh, just over two years ago, I was driving from Kansas City to Tulsa, and it uh, had been almost to the day, three years since I had stepped down from uh, our, our church in Dallas, and I had taken a, a spell of uh, several years to step out of ministry and to allow God to reform my life. And so three years later, I'm doing this drive, and I was kind of between cities. I, I didn't know where I was supposed to live. I'd been in Dallas, and I'd been in Chicago, and I, I was kind of praying about Tulsa. And, and I remember driving uh, back to Tulsa that day, I, I, I just knew. The Spirit of God just spoke to me and said, 
you are going to experience resurrection in this community and in this city. And I, I just knew that I was supposed to be in Tulsa. I had said I'd never move back to Tulsa. I'd said I'm never going back to that, that city, not because I didn't like it. I just, I just, you know, I'd been here 20 years. But driving back after being gone for a number of years, I just knew there was this magnetic tug and this feeling of this is home and my family was here and so many friends were here and people that I knew. And I, and I, and I loved uh, that it was uh, not, you know, th- this huge city, but it, it wasn't, you know, like Okmulgee either. Uh, it was somewhere... <laughs> somewhere in between. And, uh, and so I just, I felt this draw and, but it was more than just the city and the friends and the relationships. I I knew there was something spiritual about the city. I knew that somehow there was going to be a resurrection in my own life. And so when I got back to this, I thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to, uh, plan a church or be a part of a church community. Maybe there's a, you know, a ministry I need to start. I didn't know what it was, but as I got here and I settled, I called a friend. I said, uh, I need a church to go to here. I want, I want to get into a kind of a, a church where I can know people and a real, real community that, uh, that I can grow in and know and be known. And he said, Blaine, you need to go to sanctuary. And I'd heard of sanctuary, but I'd never been here. And I knew Pastor, uh, Pastor Red and, and I'd heard of Pastor Brent and Janice, and I, but I'd never really been here. And so I, 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 uh, met Ed for coffee, and, and he said, yeah, come on. And so I remember coming. I'll never forget the Saturday night I walked in these doors. And I uh, walked in, and there was uh, Josiah Filauer. A lot of you know Josiah, the bearded wonder in our community. Uh, his beards are always growing and changing, and he's just got this amazing kind of hip look that I admire and, and desire. And, uh, and, and he just embraced me and brought me in and introduced me to people, and I felt so loved. And I remember walking in the auditorium, there was uh, Pastor Ed, and like only Pastor Ed can do, just have this big smile and just put out his hands like he does and wrapped his arms around me and said, we love you, grace on you, and, and uh, said, sit beside me. And I felt like I just walked into my own home. I just felt like this is home. And I had no idea that when God said resurrection was going to come in my life that it would be personal, not public, that there'd be a personal resurrection of what God was doing in my own life and my own heart. This community has loved me so well, has just showed me so much grace, has given me so many opportunities just to serve and be a part. And I can't tell you what the table means to me today and what the creeds mean to me today and what baptism means to me today and what the church and the community of saints means to me today. My life has been changed. There's been a resurrection and God's brought the most beautiful beautiful wife into my life, and there's just been so many gracious things that have happened. Pastor Brent has been so gracious for the last two years to have breakfast with me every Thursday morning and just to be a part of speaking into my, and he doesn't charge me, and and uh, so awesome, although I, I've paid for breakfast like twice out of uh, 20 times, uh, but but just so gracious, and so over the last two years, I was just recounting the resurrection that's happened in my own heart, my own life. And I, the other day, I just wrote down seven dirty little secrets that I've learned about rising again. 
And I want to share them with you this morning because I think there's some of us, maybe all of us, have some level of death in our life. Maybe there's just something that's not right or that has died and is gone. It might be a broken relationship, a broken marriage. It might be a, you know, a son or a daughter that you've had a broken relationship with. It might be an addiction or a pain, a struggle in your life on some level that somehow God wants to breathe resurrection into your heart and your life. And so let's read just a couple verses from John 11, and then we're just going to run with this. John 11, verse number one, this is, of course, the story of Lazarus. And uh, it says in verse one that this man, Lazarus, was very sick in Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. And it was the same Mary who massaged the Lord's feet with aromic oils and then wiped them with her hair. And it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. And so the sister sent word to Jesus, Master, the one who you love is very much sick. So Jesus had this friendship and this love with uh, Lazarus. There was a real uh, sense of bond between those two. And this man is uh, sick. And so Jesus, when he got the message, he said, this sickness is not fatal. It will become an occasion to show God's glory by glorifying God's Son. Death and sickness do not have to be fatal in our lives. Verse 33. And Jesus, we're skipping through some verses just for sake of time, but basically by now Jesus has got to the tomb. It's been several days later. uh, And it says, when he saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him and he said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Now Jesus wept. And the Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. And in Jesus, the anger welling up within him arrived at the tomb. It was a simple cave in the hillside with a slab of stone laid against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. And the sister of the dead man, Martha, said, Master, by this time, there's a stench. In the King James, it actually goes like this. By this time, he stinketh. I like that translation. (laughs) He stinketh. (laughs) He's been dead, she said, four days. And Jesus looked her in the eye. Did I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? Then to others, he said, go ahead, take away the stone. And they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you've listened to me. I know that you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might believe that you sent me. And he shouted, Lazarus, come forth. And he came out, a cadaver, wrapped from head to toe with a kerchief over his face. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him loose. What a story. What an amazing story. Jesus brought resurrection to us. And we, of all people as believers, are resurrection people. We're called to bring a rising and an uplifting into every part of the world that we go into. Eugene Peterson put it like this. He said, the church is this appointed gathering of named people in particular places who practice a life of resurrection in a world in which death gets the biggest headlines. 
death of nations, death of civilization, death of marriage, death of careers, obituaries without end, death by war, death by murder, death by accident, death by starvation, death by electric chair, lethal injection, and by hanging. He said, the practice of resurrection is an intentional, deliberate decision to believe and participate in resurrection life, life out of death, life that trumps death, life that is the last word, Jesus' life. Oh, that's good. That we are called not just to bring news of the event of Christ's resurrection, but that there's a resurrection spirit that lives within us that we can begin to practice and lean into and hear the whispers of God as he speaks in and through us to others because there are folks in our community that need resurrection from the death. There are so many last-leggers, washed-uppers, six-feet-underers, People that need new life. People that have addictions that can't seem to be broken. Marriages that seem like they're irreparable. Confidences that have absolutely been shattered. Depression that's become incurable. Bitterness that is irrepressible. Failure that feels fatal. And so, where do we go and how do we bring that into our community and into our world? There's a passage of scripture, and Paul was put it up so we can take a look at it. But Paul was speaking to the Roman church, and uh, in Romans 8, he reminded them as he went through this whole chapter talking about this battle between the flesh and the spirit and how to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to dominate our fleshly desires and then let the Spirit of God uh, begin to manifest in our life to bring the, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the joy of the Spirit, the grace of God in our community. And he said this, he said, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So he said, there's something alive in you as a believer. There's there's this power, this resurrection that is inside of you that, that will quicken you and bring life and life that can flow through you. And I want you to think about that. If there was ever an event that all of hell did not want to happen. It was the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, if there was ever, like if the devil ever ever gathered like all of of his minions and every demon and every every, uh, force of darkness and said, okay, we've got to do something. We've got to stop this potential from ever happening. We want to make sure that stone never gets rolled away, that he never comes out of that grave. Every one of you are on assignment on that tomb, and yet all of that could not stop Jesus from rising from the dead. So if Jesus could not be stopped, if the power of the Spirit was so strong that he would rise from the dead against all the powers of hell, that should tell you about what kind of spirit you've been given in the Holy Spirit. We have been given this sense of power and dynamic and and energy and grace that God has called not just to bring new life in our own lives, but that we can begin to share that life with others. I love it. Resurrections are beautiful, and yet, point number one, (laughs) they always stink before they start. Let me tell you something. If you just want pretty church and nice church and church that isn't messy and church that smells good all the time, then you probably won't like this place. 
Because this place is a space where we welcome those who stink a little bit, those who are a little bit messed up, those who need some work of the spirit and the kingdom in their lives. This is a place that welcomes the lost and the broken and the hurting and the people that just, just need the fragrance of Jesus in their life because resurrections always start with death and death doesn't look good and it's messy and it's smelly and it's just a little bit different, but God loves to show up. The church is not a museum of perfect, wonderful people. It's a mash unit of caring for the broken and the hurting that God brings into our lives and through our doors. The second little secret is our survival instincts always beg for resuscitation over resurrection. See, we would much rather, I know I would, I would much rather resuscitate than resurrect because resurrection means there has to, has to be a death. Resuscitation is so much easier, we think, because, oh, I'll just hold on. I won't give up. I'm just going to white-knuckle this thing. Somehow I'm going to make it on my own strength and my own will. And we love to resuscitate, and yet there's a moment where God says, let this die. Let this thing that you've held on to, that you've struggled by yourself with, let it die. Let the cross come into your life. Let me share a little bit of Dakota wisdom. I lived in Calgary for years, just a little bit south of us. We're North and South Dakota. And I remember hearing this Dakota wisdom 20 plus years ago, and it went like this. When riding a dead horse, the very best strategy is to dismount. But we don't like to do that. We, we like to hold on to her. We, 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 we buy stronger whips for our dead horses. And sometimes we like to harness several dead horses together. Maybe that'll get us where we want to go. Or maybe if we just get a good trainer for our dead horse, that everything will work out. And yet the best thing is just to dismount. That when something needs to die in our life, that we just let it die. We just allow it to suffer a death and see what Jesus can do in resurrection. Matthew 10, 38 and 39, we see the words of the Lord, whoever does not take up their cross, cross is a place of death to self, death to our own will, our own strength, and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life or grabs it, holds onto it, will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's no shortcut to resurrection. There's no resuscitating. We've got to give up the unhealthy parts of our life and yield to the cross and yield to Christ so that resurrection can be a dream that is possible. Number three, resurrections are always too late. They're never on time. That's why it's a resurrection because something died. And we feel so often like, why, well, if Jesus would have just showed up a little bit sooner in my life, I wouldn't have had to go through all this failure and all this struggle and all this pain. Why didn't I do this earlier? And we have whys and what ifs, and we cannot look back. We have got to dare to grab the rearview mirror of our life and pull it off and look forward to what God has in the future. The nature of resurrection is this. It doesn't change what is past. It alters and changes the future. 
That's why Paul wrote to the Philippian church. He says, brothers, listen, I, I don't consider that I've taken hold of it. I, don't, I haven't uh, got it all figured out. I'm not a perfect man. But he said, this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He said, we've got to move forward. We've got to press forward. Don't let the enemy continually bring you back to your past and to your failures. You can look back at them and thank God for the testimony of where you are today. You can look back at them and use them maybe as a cautionary tale for others to share the grace that can come into a broken part of your life. But don't look back with all this pain and regret and whys and what ifs. Believe that when God raises you up for a new day, that it is truly a new day. That's why the Christian experience and the Christian message is is not one of we will help you to change your will or be a better person. It's all about being born again. We are new creatures in Christ. All things are passed away. All things are new. That is our faith. That is what we've been called to in Christ. Number four, resurrections are lousy fashion statements. You never look good in a resurrection. If you want to look good, it's best not to even experience one because resurrections just don't look good. You see, when you come out of death and when you come out of that grave, you're going to be a lot like Lazarus. When he walked out, he didn't walk out pristine and sparkling. (laughs) He still had his grave clothes on. You know, Jesus could have, you know, pulled away the tomb himself and, and, and you know, unwrapped him and, and fixed him up and did his hair and put some makeup. You know, he could have done it, but he didn't. He just said, hey, come out, just, just like you are, just like you are. Lazarus, come out. And he's walking. He's like a mummy. He's just got all this stuff on. He's kind of walking out. He's like, he's freaking out at this point because he's alive, but he can't see anything. He's like, and he's just standing there, and he's hearing voices and people talking, and you know, there's this buzz, and Mary and Martha, oh, you know, I mean, it's just like, and he's, and, and so Jesus says, unwrap him, and so this, you know, this rotting grave clothes are beginning to be unwrapped, and I guarantee he doesn't like have a three-piece suit on underneath or his gym clothes. He's probably naked, so they're unwrapping him. There's this like, in a resurrection, this spirit of transparency and humility and nakedness where you just say, God, this is me. Like, this is it. This is all I have to offer. There's this uh, absolute sense of dependency when Jesus raises a part of your life up from the dead and gives you this amazing second chance where you just say, oh, Jesus, thank you for, for life. I don't care what I look like. I don't care what people think. I, Lord, I'm just humbled and I'm so grateful that I'm alive again because if you've ever been dead and then you live again, you don't really care about what you look like. You're just kind of happy to hang again, you know? <laughs> but this, this grace in resurrection is so amazing. Remember when I was, I just got saved. I was 17. I had a, I, I, my youth pastor was a radical radical evangelist. He's now a vineyard uh, pastor in the heart of downtown Vancouver, reaching out to the poor. And uh, just such an amazing uh, young man. But when we started, he would grab us all and take it to the streets. We'd go downtown Calgary, 
prostitutes, pimps, drug pushers, homeless, just, just people that needed Jesus, right? And so we would go down, and we were track-passing folks, man. We had more tracks. We'd just be passing tracks and preaching and <laughs> telling people about Jesus, and that's kind of all we knew. It was just evangelism central. And, and I remember this one track that we had. It was, this, it was like this Jesus ship track. And there was this, you know, it was kind of one of these cartoon. The cartoon tracks were real popular back in the 70s. And so there was this uh, cartoon of Jesus and the gospel ship going out into the, the, the ocean and the turbulent waves and the, the washing, uh, you know, and the winds. And, and, and there were sinners that were drowning in the ocean, that were dying, that were, you know, holding up their hands. And, and, and Jesus in his beard and his white, uh, uh, you know, uh, flowing suit uh, threw out a salvation life preserver. It had salvation on the side, and the preserver went into the water, and these sinners would grab onto the life preserver and kind of pull themselves into the salvation gospel boat, and they would get saved. And, and that is a bad track. It really doesn't tell the story, the true story of what Christ does. Because we have nothing to do with our salvation except by his grace. I mean, the, the, the better picture would be us at the bottom of the ocean, lying there on the floor, lungs filled with water, not a breath of life in us, motionless and dead. And Jesus with his strong arm of salvation, reaching down, picking us up and breathing life into us again. It's all him. It's all him. It's his grace. Now we get to participate after that, and his grace empowers us to live for him and empowers us to, to, to represent him well and to be a light in our world, but it all begins with his grace. None of us would be alive without him. Number five, there will always be critics who want to bury you again and again. <laughs> it's amazing. You can rise from the dead in some area of your life, and somebody will always remember maybe what happened before or maybe what happened in the past, and that's just part of the world we live in. It happened with Lazarus. You know, the next chapter says that there's this large crowd of Jews that were gathered to came on the scene, not only because of Jesus, but to catch sight of Lazarus. And it says the man who had uh, been raised from the dead, and it says the chief priest planned to kill Lazarus as well. Isn't that amazing? Like the guy just rose from the dead, give him a break, you know, like give him at least a week, you know, to enjoy life again. They're already planning to kill him again. I mean, did they think that somehow Jesus would let that happen? Or if he did get killed again, that Jesus wouldn't go raise him again. I mean, I don't know what they're thinking, but they're just like, this guy's got to be killed. He's got to go down. Why? Because they said, all the Jews are leaving us and they're putting their faith in Christ. They didn't like this. There will always be critics in your life. There will be people that don't like you. They don't like what God is doing. They don't like what the Spirit of God is doing in your life, and that's okay. And let me tell you what to do to those critics. You need to take a stand and back off and say, I love you, and Jesus loves you, and I'm praying for you. And that's okay, because <laughs> you're not God in my life. Now, you might say that to yourself, but just, on, you just say, listen, God, you're bigger than any of my critics. They can't harm me. They can't stop me, and you love them. And you know what? Maybe they don't see it all. 
And maybe some things I did really, really hurt them, and it takes them longer to get past that hurt, and that's okay. Lord, I'm just going to move on. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be like that donkey that the farmer had. You've heard of him, right? This donkey was so old and just barely kind of moving around, and the farmer wasn't sure how long he was going to last. And one day that donkey kind of getting a little bit blind and hard of seeing. He was jumping around the farmyard, and he tripped and fell into a deep well. Well, that well hadn't had water for years, and so the farmer looked down into that well and said, well, the well's old, it's unuseful, and the donkey's old and about to die. We're just going to give it a burial. That donkey's looking up, just whining and crying, trying to get out, can't get out. The farmer grabs a couple of his sons, and they start throwing shovels of dirt into the well, and they're just like, well, we're going to bury the donkey. Well, they shovel for about a half hour. They look in. That donkey's still alive at the very top of the dirt, just looking up. Well, they say, well, let's shovel some more. So they start shoveling another half hour, and the well's almost getting full. They look back in, and donkey's still there, just on top of the dirt, looking up. I said, what in the world is going on? And so this time they look as they shovel, and they're shoveling in, looking at that donkey. And every time that dirt would hit the back of that donkey, he would just do this, just shake it off, and then step up, shake it off, and step up. And pretty soon he got high enough where he just jumped right out of that well, went on his merry way, lived another 10 years. Let me tell you, when critics come and persecution come and people don't always see what God's up to in your life, that's okay. Just, just kind of shake it off and move on to what God has in the future. Number six, resurrection people are always on the lookout for resurrection candidates. People of resurrection, they, they're sniffing out death. They're like, Where is something dead that we can allow the Holy Spirit to bring life into? I'm sure when I walked into this community, I'm sure Ed and Brent, just like, oh, yeah, we we need some resurrection in this life. We we want to help this this young man. We want to, and that's okay. That's that's what God's up to. Death doesn't, doesn't bother us. We push into it. We say, Jesus, what could you do in this heart? And in this life, you know, I love the, the, uh, the narrative of uh, Lazarus as he grew older and after Jesus' uh, death and resurrection, the, the uh, narrative of his life, uh, according to Orthodox tradition, is that sometime after the resurrection, he had to flee Judea because of so many plots that were against him uh, to, to, to murder him. And so he, he fled and... Uh, went to uh, a place called uh, Kaition, and he was appointed by Paul and Barnabas to be the first pastor and bishop in that community. And he lived there for many, many, many years uh, to come, and he, he became a pastor. Now, i got to tell you, <laughs> Lazarus had to be one amazing pastor. I mean, think about a man that had been raised from the dead that was pastoring and preaching to God's people. This man would have some passion and some fire, and Easter Sunday would be amazing. <laughs> be like, let me tell you about resurrection. I was 
dead, you know. Uh, and I mean, and think about his, his counseling appointments. I mean, I could just see, uh, you know, someone coming in and say, Pastor, I, I've just come to this, I don't know what to call it, maybe dead end in my life. Well, there's nothing too hard for God. I, I, I can guarantee you that. Well, no, you don't understand, Pastor. I mean, I've got death surrounding me. No, I do understand. I get it. Oh, I doubt you've really felt completely hopeless like I'm feeling right now. Oh, I, I have. I died once. You died? Yes, yes, I died. He was a man looking to bring resurrection in the lives of others. He pastored well. He loved well. He took what God had given him, and he gave it to others. And there's this uh, spirit that needs to consume us that we just, when we see people that are in need of life, that we kind of speak like Jesus did. Lazarus come forth, that we, 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 we speak into the lives of people and say, God wants to bring his best forth. God wants to bring his life forth, that we begin to speak life into the lives of others. There's something about the power of our words. The Bible talks about the, the word of faith which we preach, which is the gospel and, and, and the goodness of God, but there's, there's a power in our words. And when we speak words of life into those that are hurting it's amazing what God can do. When I uh, when I went to Phoenix for uh, rec- for recovery and training and and uh, uh, a program for thirty days uh, five years ago, I I was uh, I was uh, able to stay at the Dream Center in Phoenix. And so there was this man that was a minister at Tommy Barnett's church that was uh, gracious enough to carry me around and drive me around to all my my counseling appointments in the morning and then pick me up at night. And so we would, he'd pick me up at six o'clock every morning and he would always have a coffee ready and I'd jump in his car. And this guy was a Latino man, an older man, and he was so full of the fire of God, so full of the zeal of God and just so believed in, in, in what God could do in hurting people. And he would pick me up and, and he just like, Pastor Blaine, it's going to be a great day. And, and I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, hold on, let me have a sip. And, uh, and, he, and I said, listen, you know, I'm, I told him, I don't pastor anymore. I'm not a pastor. You know, I'm, I resign my church and I'm just Blaine. Oh, no, you will always be Pastor Blaine. God's callings and gifts are without repentance. Don't you ever diminish what God's doing in you. And he would preach to me all the way to the counseling center and then preach to me all the way back, and his words would just echo in my spirit and just wouldn't quit. And now, five years later, I still remember it like it was yesterday. There's something about speaking words of life into our family, our kids, our spouse, our friends, our community, the people we meet at the job that bring life and hope. And then finally, number seven, Failure doesn't disqualify, it uniquely qualifies. Don't let anyone tell you that because you failed, because 
A, a death has happened in your life that you are disqualified. Now, you may need to take time to recapture life and take time to allow God to bring healing, and that's a part of the process that is so important, but ultimately, it can and will, if we allow it, to qualify us to move forward. Because there's something about failing that brings an utter dependence on the Lord, that, that you just kind of give up, and you kind of say, Lord, it, it's not my strength, it's not my will, but it's your will. Lord, I, I, I give everything to you. It, and that in that, we're, we're qualified. My, uh, one of my favorite uh, passages when I think about this is Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 1. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Oh, I love that. A second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Jonah had a first time encounter with God and he took off. He said, I'm not about this. I'm not going there. Don't want to go there. Don't like those people. And we all know what happened. Spent three days in literal death inside the belly of a fish. Fish vomited him up on land. And so he's in his throw up and vomit. And God speaks and says, a second time, will you go to Nineveh? And this time he said, yes. And he was a man on fire, a man ready to preach to these people. And there's something about the spirit of God's grace that qualifies us a second time or a third time. Just where we say, okay, God, it's all you. So I'm just gonna close by saying, if you're a part of that second time people, second time group, welcome to the glory of God. Welcome to opportunities for God to use you. You say, well, I've lied my way into a lot of trouble, Blaine. Let me introduce you to Peter. Well, I found myself in a destructive relationship, but let me introduce you to Samson. Well, I've thought about murdering someone I really hate. Let me introduce you to Moses. Well, I've allowed my life to be destroyed by bad decisions and lust and sexual passion. Let me introduce you to David. Well, I had a really bad day today. Let me introduce you to Lazarus. Are you ready for resurrection in your life? If you are, let me introduce you to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, as we approach your table, this solemn encounter we have with the body and blood of Christ, we thank you in this, his life and forgiveness and meaning and hope, and we celebrate it. We come humbly. We come expectant that there can be a new day, a new beginning. Lord, I ask for all the ashes that are represented in our midst that, God, you would bring beauty. Bring the beauty of your grace and your forgiveness and your love. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Pastor Brent. Wonderful. Wonderful. Was that helpful to you? It was to me. I know that we all have areas in our life that need resurrection, those things that are dead, that stinketh, um, that this is what... Uh, 
the life of, in Jesus is all about. Thank you for reminding us of that. And, and uh, you know, when God wants to do something new in our life, we can either cooperate with it or we can resist it. It really is up to us. He's always about resurrection. He's always about wanting new life. It's really up to our response. And we're really uh, proud of Blaine in so many ways that he has cooperated with uh, the resurrection power of, of Jesus in his life. And been transparent, incredibly transparent, the last couple of years with us as a community. And he's, he's been real and honest and and genuine. Uh, he's been a servant. He's jumped in and served this community in so many wonderful ways, behind the scenes, many ways that you don't yeah, even see. Um, you've also had that, that sense of dependency on God. It's, it's you've not tried to take hold of anything or push your way into anything. It's just been a, um, just a, an absolute dependency on God. So thank you for um, living a life that shows that and, and uh, it's been awesome for us. And so just want to say finally thank you as a community. Thank you for the way that you do life. Thank you that you're open to messiness, um, that you're open to uh, accepting people where they're at, uh, embracing them, nudging them on, holding their, you know, holding their arms up when they need support and strength and that you don't shy away from that, that, you, um, that there's something about you that loves that, loves to see what God can do. And so, again, thank you. I love being part of a community uh, that is open to resurrection. Pastor? You know, um, <clears throat> when Blaine first called me a uh, year and a half ago, whatever it was, two years ago, um, and said that he, he said, could he have coffee? And I had met him before, knew him. Yeah, you had spoken for us up in Wisconsin when I was pastoring up there. And anyway, so we got together for coffee, and he asked me, he said, would it be all right for you if I came to sanctuary? <laughs> Which I thought was, you know, a very unusual question. Can I come to church? I'm like, oh, yes, you can. But what was so delightful to me, I mean, first of all, I loved that kind of heart that he had. He didn't want to, uh, you know, uh, he used to serve in this community. He didn't want to create any any kind of questions that we felt would be harsh or hard on them, on us in any way. So that kind of humility I loved. And, and I also love the fact that, as Pastor Brent just said, that the DNA of sanctuary is awesome. It's a place where we can say, you know, you know what? We, we, we are not here to see uh, through you. We're here to see you through. We're, we're not here to judge you or figure you out. We're here to believe that God's at work in your life and to link arms with you. And if we see you stumble, we'll be right there with you to help lift up and to always encourage and strengthen. I love this community for that. I love you for that. And uh, uh, to welcome people in our context. We knew, you know, Blaine has been involved with ministry for many, many years, used to, uh, in, in some significant ways. And even though some of the stuff that he has been through, many of you have heard his story, um, you know, we knew that there was a, a strength in his life. I loved this morning, this whole weekend. This is the third time I've heard his message. And each time I, if there was that taste, that palpable presence of God's spirit and, and loving that, the, the, just the, 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 the scripture talks about the, this idea of the gifts or the charisms of the spirit. And there's this kind of gravitas, this kind of pull of God's presence that means that something more is going on than what's going on. 
right? We always trust for that. When we're singing, we're trusting that God's doing more than us just singing, that there's a stirring in our hearts. When we hear the word spoken or when we come to Eucharist, you know, that there's something more going on. And there was something more going on. There's a presence on Blaine's life. And we have seen others been our context, whether it was Andrew Arndt years ago who, you know, had something more going on in his life. And it was time for him to go. And Preston uh, Sharp, you know, there's things. In Blaine's life, he's, a, he's been a proven guy. And we were trying to figure out <clears throat> how we could keep him in this context. And uh, he told me when he first, when that first coffee, he said, no, Ed, I don't know why I'm here. I really think that maybe God's asking me to, to you know, to do some kind of a church plant or something. I said, Lord, maybe you work with us. I said, whatever, we'll be open to discerning whatever God is saying. So, you know, in our way, we would love to have him stay in this context. But as the last few months, we've been praying and discerning and talking with them. And since Lori's entered the picture and, and uh, she's a wonderful gal. They've been praying together and trying to discern what God is saying, trying to figure out, you know, do we have a, 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 a third, you know, we, we don't have much room for another lead guy when there's two of us. <laughs> we could be the Trinity, I guess. Right? Anyway, we, you know, we were, we, <laughs> who gets to be the father is what I want to know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you know, we really love this guy. And uh, we really feel like that, that, that and, and, and they have discerned this as well, as we talked about very in a very submitted and loving way, really feel like he needs to step out in this lead pastor role. That kind of presence is on his life. And we feel like it would be wrong for us to try to just sequester that and hold, you know, to, to lock that into what we're doing here, even though he's been a great blessing to us. And so starting, uh, they're going to be starting and launching a community of faith called Resurrection Tulsa in Tulsa uh, around Easter time of 2015. And so they're going to be sorting through that. Uh, there'll be some of you that would might be love to be a part of that. We'll certainly give you an opportunity to help support that and uh, be involved with that as they launch that. We're going to be involved on their leadership team, so we're not losing our relationship with them. But we feel like this is God for them and uh, excited for them and just want to be a part of it. And I'm so delighted that that he's linked our hearts together uh, for now and for the future. So, amen. Awesome. Let's all stand together. Let's pray for them. We're going to pray for them quick and and uh, ask uh, want your faith uh, linked around them. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, anyone else I come pray, come to it. <clears throat> Father, we are thankful for your hand on the lives of people in our midst. And we are so grateful for Blaine and for Lori. So grateful for how you're able to take all that we have been through and weave it into the story that, that's interesting and powerful. And so, God, as uh, they begin to think about this launch of this community of faith in this context, we just applaud you, Spirit of God, for calling this forward in their lives. And thank you that you love this community, Jesus. You love Tulsa. You love bringing forth communities of life here, life-giving communities. We thank you that each of us, as a ch- each church here, has our part in your ministry over this area. None of us own it. We're just a part of it. And so we're grateful and we're thankful. And we ask you, God, as they begin to think this stuff through, that everything that needs to be will be there discretion, understanding, wisdom, timing, uh, uh, creativity, uh, provision, everything, the people, 
the money, everything that's needed, Father, to pull this off in a way that glorifies you. Help us, help these guys uh, step up along with, with those of us in our hearts that just really want to make you famous and make Tulsa a hard place to go to hell from. We thank you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We love you guys. Thanks for listening to this message from Sanctuary Church. If you're in the Tulsa area, we invite you to attend one of our weekend services at 5 p.m. on Saturday, 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. on Sundays. And if you would like more information on who we are and what we're about here at Sanctuary or to give online, please visit our website at SanctuaryTulsa.com or you can download our mobile app from the App Store or Google Play. We hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.